is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Yes. I am putting my anger at Jigga Man, God MC, Jay-Z, Hove on hold. I'm Ooh. putting my anger on him <laughs> on hold because this past week, December 4th, was the God's 50th birthday. Happy birthday, Jay-Z. Make sure you say happy That's birthday, right. folks. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Happy man, belated Hove Day. The man that moved 92 bricks over three days has turned 50 years wow. old. Ninety-two. Can we put that in context, Stanley? Ninety-two bricks. Because I have never sold drugs and don't know anything about drug distribution. What's the inflation going on with that now? Seriously, Stanley. Like, what would that equate to? About like. In hood economics. About two hundred thousand. Whoa. Is yeah. that like a trap book, like Guinness Book World of Records thing? <laughs> Only so no. my name is Stanley Fritz. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Instagram at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle. I posted yesterday. It was just a throwback from a couple of years ago. You can notice that I'm wearing my Petty Black Feminist sweatshirt, and I also have a new necklace from my homegirl, Nilsa. It is an amethyst necklace covered in gold, and it's made for grounding and patience because I have no patience, and I can't <laughs> stay grounded because I'm too belligerent with the tendency in my system. I am here in the studio with Selena Hill. Evan Masternardi. And of course, we have the debut of the newest, <laughs> coolest, introductory person in the studio. But you know what? I'm not going to tell you who she is. She will tell you. And of course, by mm. Mariah with a drip on top tier mm. as usual. Folks, speak your names into existence. Well, thank you so much, Stanley, for once again that very colorful introduction of us all. You know, I'm really happy that you found some way to reckon with Jay-Z. I mean, despite the whole NFL. Temporary moratorium. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll take it. Um, so, yeah, guys, my name is Selena Ho. Of course, you can follow me and find me on Twitter and at and on Instagram at Miss Selena Ho. Miss is spelled with an M as super happy to be here. If you follow me last night on Instagram stories, you know why I'm a little tired. But I am here, nonetheless, after a long day of work and then partying. Uh, it was a good time. And also, I'm happy that you guys are here with us. I'd let your voice be heard. Of course, this is a show where we talk social justice, politics, pop culture. And we do that all mm-hmm. from a very sometimes diverse but mostly black perspective, even though Evan, our good ally, is mm-hmm. here to help <laughs> fill us in. And, um, you know, and we also have a very special guest. So before we get to her, I'm going to mm-hmm. let Evan introduce himself. Yes, I'm Evan Mastronardi, co-host of Let's Not Be Trashed, with my man, the fellow Thoughtful Thoughty, Faithful Melanin King, Stan Fritz. Black men don't cheat. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Thank you for that energetic introduction as well. It's always great to be here. And I think, Stanley, this is showing some of the growth this morning. You know, you're able to put, you know, some of that aside, have a nuanced perspective on, on, you know, on Hove today. Mm. We, you know, maybe want to get into it later after moratorium is done. That's okay. But, yeah, I think this is great. Growth for you, man. This is good. We got. We all got to do that sometimes, you know. Jigga Man put his whole discography on Spotify, so you know what? I gotta show some space for, for, for forgiveness if he can forgive Spotify <laughs> for not paying him enough in streams. <laughs> you, that's a, hey, that's that an interesting works. equation, but let's let's work with it. That's what's up. Yeah. All right. Now uh, now we got a, a big yes, reveal. Yes, we have Tammy <laughs> David here. She describes herself yeah. as a soft-hearted, loud mouth with a passion for social justice and keeping the spirit of the community alive. She started off as a student activist in Nightburg, also in student government and in radical on-campus campaigns. And now she represents the campaign for elected civilian review board for an elected civilian review board in an effort to curb and punish instances of police brutality by the NYPD. Welcome to the show, Tammy. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. 
Yeah, no, we're super happy that to have you here as well. Um, tell us, so where'd you come from today? Uh, I'm coming from Flatbush. Just Woo. moved here two months ago. Gang, gang. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn, I guess, all day now. Um, still missing. Hold on, hold on. So that with your chest, beloved. I guess. All, all right. We in Harlem, okay? This, I'm not going to disrespect Harlem yes. by saying. This is anti-blackness. I can't. <laughs> Do not disrespect. Yes. I want to wish you guys a happy Sag season. Just want to say if oh. Beyonce can forgive Jay, I can forgive Jay. I, I'm Sag season. So... Happy birthday. You know what? That's a good Next week. Uh, Next nice, week. Yeah, nice. Yeah. You they, know what? They say I'm emotionally unavailable, but I think they're just hating. That, that's what that's what I heard about Sages. Mm, male Sages. I, I, I'm so sorry, love. I'm nah, so we're we going to break love. that trend. We're gonna, <laughs> I'm going to set precedent. Yeah, so mm-hmm. thank you so much. I'm super happy to have Tammy here. And, of course, guys, we have a great show lined up. We're going to be talking about everything, especially the fact that Kamala has dropped out of the race. That means, yes, we no longer have a black woman running in 2020. Uh, so we're going to talk about and like, really unpack what that means and why it even happened. Then we're also going to talk about some other news stories. The fact that President um, Trump can't sit with most world leaders at NATO. My guy. <laughs> <laughs> SNL did a, a brilliant cold open um, starring like Jimmy Fallon and a couple of other cool folks uh, just mimicking what happened with mm-hmm. uh, NATO at NATO with President Trump. He was shunned from the cool kids. Group. He was flamed. Was he was happened. flamed. Yeah, he was definitely getting flamed. Definitely. Yeah. You're right. When you do that move right there, you know you're about to get the business. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that and some other cool news stories. And, of course, guys, if you want to let your voice be heard, leave us comments on our Facebook Live. We already have comments from Justin. Shout out to you, B.B. Mendez. Um, also, you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. And you can call us up at 212-650-6903. All right, guys, we're going to go on a quick break. But don't go anywhere. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Happy birthday, Jiggerman, Jay-Z, Ho. Don't forget, being broke is childish and I'm quite young. Woo, bars. Can he, I sa- just- he says I'm quite grown. I'm quite young because I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Justin Jerkins, he actually chimed in. He said, Jay told us to drop Spotify, get title. Then he went back to Spotify. Well, yes. Like I said, I'm upset with Jay-Z. You see the, the contradictions in Ho? <laughs> it's, the hypocrisy is real. Nonetheless, guys, so we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We're kicking things off with some of the news stories that really got to us in the past week, whether it made us happy, cry, upset, you know, whatever it was. Let's talk about it. And Stanley, I know you wanted to talk about some very disheartening news to a friend of yours who was actually on the Bernie Sanders campaign and got fired. What's going on with that? <sighs> All right. So for those of you who don't know, um, Darius Gordon was hired to the Bernie Sanders campaign as the um, deputy um, constituent service director for the campaign. That happened on Tuesday or Wednesday. By Friday, he and the campaign had agreed to part ways after um, a story had come out in a Washington Examiner and then gone viral saying that Darius had had some problematic sexist, um, transphobic and also anti-Semitic tweets. And if you go to if you Google it, you'll probably find an article. We can't repeat some of the things that were said there. So I want to be clear. What Darius was tweeting was a thousand percent wrong. 
The stuff was sexist. It was very sexist. It was very homophobic. It was very anti-Semitic. And it was problematic. And it was also a tweet coming from a guy that was 18 years old and mm-hmm. had no political analysis and had no racial analysis and had no real lived experience or experience with people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it's okay. And I'm not saying that those tweets didn't cause real damage to real people and hurt them. But I am saying mm-hmm. that we need to give grace and space for mm-hmm. people to A, explain themselves, and then B, be held accountable in a mm-hmm. way that is framed in restorative justice. Mm. And my mm-hmm. biggest frustration with what happened to Darius is that, like, I know this man. I've worked with this man. I've built with this man. And he is somebody who has put his body on the line for women, for trans people, for gay people. He is someone who is fighting hard in a pro-Palestine fight. He is the same person who helped to organize the Women's March and who has really been showing up as an ally. Mm. He is also someone who understands that he has a lot of work to do as a person and as a man to understand the way that he shows up in his privilege. He is not those tweets from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. But instead of having a conversation and giving mm-hmm. him a chance to apologize and explain himself and talk about the work he's done to evolve from that 18-year-old kid who said that Asians and, and white women all look the same, which was wild probably problematic and wrong they just said we're going to part ways and i find that to be very wrong because pete Buttigieg fired a black police chief Mm -hmm. because the black police chief recorded white racist cops saying white racist things and pete Buttigieg fired that cop because well he shouldn't have recorded but no one is canceling pete Buttigieg. Mm -hmm. joe biden wrote the crime bill no one canceled joe biden joe biden called black people super predators no one canceled joe biden Mm -hmm. bernie sanders has an entire article where he pretty much dismisses rape as not a big deal and no one threw him away we constantly give white people grace and space for nuance and Mm -hmm. then when black people show up and we mess up or we slip up Mm -hmm. we are ready to cut their heads off Mm -hmm. whether they go to prison and serve their time and come back we still won't let them get jobs we won't let them vote we won't give them housing they say something silly or lose their cool, they lose their jobs. We're seeing it with Darius Gordon today. We're seeing it with Michael Vick today, where people still have petitions to block him from entering the NFL for something that he went to prison for and served his time for. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like when it comes to black people and black and brown people, mm-hmm. there is no grace and no space for black men, and there is no protection for black women. And it makes me very unhappy, and I'm very disappointed in Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. And I want to say to Darius Gordon, you are my guy, and I stand with you. And burning them people, get your stuff together because you look real nasty right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm you, done. You know, Stanley, thanks so much for just sharing that news to us all and, and that perspective. You know, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I think we live in a society where cancel culture is real. You know, it, it, a decade ago or two decades ago, we didn't have this, you know, big thing right. called the Internet mm-hmm. where something you put on the internet 10, 15 years ago can come back and haunt you and even jeopardize your job. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to get Evan, you to you chime in here. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about this whole situation? Well, first, I think Stanley put it uh, nearly perfectly. I agree with him 100%. And I, I agree with what you're saying, too, about the internet. But Stanley brought up points that we have documented about Joe Biden, about Pete Buttigieg. So it's, okay, this may have been in the past and, you know, the crime bill was before we had, like, Twitter. But this is history. This is information we have. It's not like we don't have this information when we make decisions, but we are still very forgiving. And I am very disappointed in Bernie Sanders. You know, there are moments where with Bernie, though I agree with a lot of his message, I don't think he always shows backbone. 
And this is one area where he does. I don't think he shows backbone sometimes when it comes to talking about race. He shies away from it to this unified white working class economic argument. So honestly, it's not surprising here. It's almost like he doesn't want to have to deal with it. Well, guess what, Bernie? You got to deal with it. Mm. This is this is part of running for president. This is it. You have to deal with the tough situations like this. Like Stanley said, you have to show the ability to show grace, to show equity. And he didn't do that. And this is a real point against him for me for making this decision as he did. Absolutely, guys. And if you are (laughs) watching via Facebook or listening via podcast and want to tweet or just leave a comment, feel free to chime in. Do you think that, you know, white people on whole get a different type of grace, whereas, you know, black people, we, we don't get that same type of mercy. Tammy, where do you stand on this? I mean, we definitely don't get the same type of mercy. Have you ever heard that saying how black folks have to work twice as hard for half the reward? I feel like now that cancel culture is alive, the same is true, but in kind of an opposite way. We have to work twice as hard to prove that we have always been good people. Mm-hmm. Um, in our communities, I've noticed that th- there, there's a lot of unlearning to do, just as in any community. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, because we are an oppressed people and we've had to deal with, you know, a certain kind of um, oppression our whole lives and, and for hundreds of years, people think that we don't have to deal with other kinds. Well, I'm very sorry for your friend, Stan, because I, I really get his pain. Um, and... I'm sorry that cancel culture robbed him of this opportunity, but just shouting you out there, man, if you're listening, thank you for doing the hard work and unlearning. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, cancel culture is what it is, but we will always have opportunities to prove ourselves. Stanley? White people get all kinds of grace. Amber Geiger shot a man in his own house, and then when they said you got to go to jail for this, she fought it in trial. But then the brother of the man she killed hugged her and gave her forgiveness, and white people bent over backwards to talk about how great that was but then a black man says something dumb when he's 18 years old and we got to throw him away and it's the inherent fear and dismissal of black people and i'm really pissed about it yeah and as you should be you know and just to move things along uh you know speaking of black men who did things that were wrong Uh maybe this black man shouldn't be getting grace so we know r kelly has a was accused is being accused of paying a bribe so he can marry a 15 year old Aaliyah. So basically, the story has uh, unraveled that uh, Aaliyah needed a government ID when she was 15 years old mm-hmm. so she can marry uh, R. Kelly when he was about, what, 27. Yep. And he, you know, paid a government official to get her a fake ID. And that's how they got married. Um, you know, Stanley, does this type of news surprise you at all? No, we've all known about this forever. We've known about this for like 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. That was the rumor back in 1997. Yep. We Like, everyone knew about this. And... It, like We talk about re- retribution and restorative justice. You can only have restorative justice if somebody is looking for retribution and is willing to be held accountable. Right. R. Kelly is not. Right, so. exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot that. of people say, Evan, where were her parents? You're 15 years old. Uh, you know, R. Kelly was this grown man. Where do you stand I, on that? I hear a lot of this argument for, for terrible things that happen to children and teenagers, and there's, they are still the victim here. I mean, it's like, sure, where are her parents, but... Aaliyah is still a 15-year-old girl married to a 27-year-old man. I don't, I'm not really thinking about that right now. I'm, th- I'm thinking about the, the official that abuses power. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about R. Kelly abusing his power, essentially statutory rape to this woman. Um, so it's, it, that's like the last thing on my mind in, in this situation of the injustice. Yes, I mean, if I don't know her situation, if her parents, you know, sure, parents can be more involved in these situations, but that's not 
really the the overall concern here. I think it's an easy scapegoat. But how do we protect yeah. our girls, Tammy? Restorative. <clears throat> restorative justice is a community effort and I I don't want to just look at R. Kelly I don't want to even want to talk about Aaliyah's parents I want to talk about all the people around R. Kelly that let this happen yeah. his managers his boys that's the the clerk that filed the paperwork the manager that signed off on it I mean there are so many people involved in this situation so if we're ever going to do something to protect our girls let's start like fixing people's mentality behind this that's Oh. No. No, I was going to say, remember when we uh, we had, and let's not be trash, we had a sexologist, Ms. Michelle Hope, on. Yeah. And she talked about this. She said, of course, I feel awful for the victims, all of R. Kelly's victims, but I also feel bad for R. Kelly. The kid. Because the, the kid, the child. Because at some point, that child was singing in a choir. That's how he started. And he was not doing anything close to these things. And he wasn't and, protected either. And he wasn't protected and he was likely abused. Oh, yeah. He's and, admitted that he was sexually abused yeah. on multiple occasions. So. Yeah. That cycle of abuse started young. He wasn't protected. And then everything Tammy said, and from that point on, he was also enabled. It's not like people shouldn't have accountability, but you're talking about protecting black women. It's also about the men, too. Absolutely. And and enablers around them is not helping this. Mm. So I think it's a full cycle. And if we really want to look at it holistically, we have to start about R. Kelly as a child and how it got to this point. I got some sad breaking news, actually, I want to share with folks. Um, the rapper Juice World passed away last <gasps> week, this yeah. morning. Oh, my God. Yeah, he had a seizure. Um, oh. like, Isn't he, like, 21? 21 years old. He was um, a kid. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace to Juice World. You know, as a young artist wow. who... You know, Selena, you know I'm always making jokes about how I can't stand these new young artists. Juice World was one of the artists that I really enjoyed and appreciated really? his music. And he had a really big... Like, a lot of people... He was important to a lot of people. Um, obviously, we don't know why he had the seizure as of yet. Um, a lot of folks suspect that it was, you know, because of drug use. No one knows that for sure. We shouldn't put that on that man. Yeah. Um, just my condolences to his him, his his family, all the people that love him, mm. and to his fans as well. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. definitely our condolences. And and speaking of condolences, um, you know, Trayvon Martin, who was shot and murdered, oh uh, what seven years ago <sighs> now. Yeah. Um, you know, news came out that George Zimmerman, he's not letting up. He is now suing his family as well as the Martin uh, lawyer, uh, Benjamin Crump, for a hundred million dollars. Uh, you know, Tammy, what do you think about this lawsuit against Trayvon? Martin's family. <laughs> oh, Zimmerman. Same. Oh, Zim- that man is the embodiment of white evil. Good luck to him. And sorry that we all have to know this man. Mm. Nah, listen, they mm. beat up Brother Nature on camera in Miami yesterday. Where's that energy for George Zimmerman? Mm, and for I, real. I, I'm not encouraging violence against anybody, but I don't understand how you you guys know who Brother Nature is. Mm-hmm. I, I actually haven't seen Evan Selena, yeah. do you know? So he's a big Twitter person. So, you know, we, we traffic in the Twitters, I'm assuming. <laughs> yep. Brother Nature is this young man who literally just goes on Twitter in videos and talks to animals. So like yeah. he in his I've definitely seen him. No, yeah. I've definitely seen him. Yeah, I've seen him. He, and like he's he, like he the sweetest guy. He got and beat like, up. Yeah, he, he yeah, somebody awful. jumped him. Not just beat up. He was jumped yeah. twice. Oh my god. On and camera? Yes. Yeah. Why? And then they yes. posted it on social media. But you know, everybody loves Brother Nature because he's like a nice guy. Mm. So people were like tagging the FBI to the guy who beat him up Twitter mm-hmm. because he also sells lean apparently. And they were like, hey, FBI, he sells lean. So the guy deleted his Twitter. <laughs> Black Twitter is crazy. Yo. For those of you not on Twitter, you're yeah. like missing out. You got, you guys got to get on there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't support the police in any form or fashion because the police are trash, as we know. Um, 
But that was funny. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. But, but speaking of the police, did you guys see the New York Times article about the NYPD case where they, black officers were saying their chiefs and their supervisors were telling them to go and arrest black and brown people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for offenses and to not target white and Asian people, make them soft targets, and to leave them alone. Well, I, I mean, uh, Edwin uh, Raymond yes. from the NYPD 12, that is the, the the group that sort of blew the whistle on NYPD right. quota practices years ago. Um, and, you know, he actually stopped by our show, Let Your Voice Be Heard, mm-hmm. a few years ago, and he talked about how, yes, they once you join the police academy, there is, a, you know, unspoken rules, and then there are some spoken rules where you are required, or at least pressured to arrest young black and brown people because we know that those from uh, marginalized communities have less power. So this news absolutely does not surprise me. Evan? Yeah, same here. It does not surprise me. I have tremendous respect for Edwin, who is still an active sergeant uh, or lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, he was he's, promoted. He's lieutenant now. Yeah. Um, in the NYPD. And you can only imagine the amount of threats that he gets mm-hmm. and, and how dangerous a position he's in. But I did see crime and punishment. I heard yeah. what they got on tape about quotas and, and, and the targets. And when we know that stop and frisk rates uh, were about 90 percent disproportionately uh, people of color, um, none of this is surprising to me. But it is good that we have a full expose, that we have people on record now to show a lot of people who just had that, you know, um, fallacy of a few bad apples argument that mm-hmm. it's not that, oh, it, no. that, that yeah. it's 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 the bad system it's institutional i'm glad you made that point and before we go on break i just want to wrap things up because we know that that nato video was <laughs> super funny and went viral if you guys haven't seen it yet so apparently there are a number of world leaders at nato and there was a hot mic and they got um they were overheard talking about president trump and just basically trashing him i think it was um uh the the French president Macron and mm-hmm. like a number of the um, other world leaders like Tammy what did you think about that I thought it was so funny because uh, I, I travel a lot and my folks are from all around the world so it's very refreshing for me to hear the leaders echo their people's sentiments I think he's a clown he's a goofy and now we've really got it on camera folks <laughs> you're whack you're twisted your girls are but, but President Trump said that, um, that, that uh, Macron is two-faced no, he's not. Macron kept that same energy with Trump the other day in a press conference. <laughs> Trump is just soft. He's he's baby butt cheek soft. That's I what can't, it is. What I can't and, believe yeah. is that his twin Boris was in on it. He was. Like, he was I think in that's on it. uber funny. And it's funny because Trump sa- said multiple times, and Jimmy Kimmel had this segment where it's multiple times Trump said, we will not be the laughing stock of a nation. And then he just replayed that against him being the laughing stock of the nation. Literally. Uh, <laughs> I mean, right. A laughing stock of the world, I mean. Yeah. Basically. So yeah. on that note, we do have to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, guys. When we come back, we're going to question, why did Kamala drop out the race? Was it money, racism, sexism? We'll talk about it. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHC, the Voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Evan Mashinardi, Tammy. What's your last name again, Tammy? David, Miss David. Ooh, Miss David if you're militant. <laughs> and, of course, Fire Mariah. And we have just finished the news roundup where we talked about everything from Donald Trump getting made fun of and flamed at the national stage to Bernie Sanders letting go of my boy because they don't like confrontation or restorative justice. And now we're talking about Kiki. 
Harris and her exit from the presidential race. Selena? Yeah, and before we get to that, I just want to note that Bibi Mendez left a, a really profound comment on our Facebook Live. I can't read all of it, but she says, it all starts with the black family and black community. Until we embrace one another and embrace community, we cannot make progress. So thank you so much for Bibi for chiming into some of the previous discussions we had on the news roundup. And guys, keep the comments coming and also be sure you can call in at 212-650-6903. All right, so Senator Harris abruptly ended her presidential campaign last week, which came as a shock to many of us, especially uh-huh. since she was once a leading contender for the Democratic nomination. So in a video released on Twitter, Kamala said, look, it was due to a lack of funding. That's why she was forced out of the race. She also published an article on Medium saying, and I quote, my campaign for president simply doesn't have the financial resources we need to continue. I'm not a billionaire. I can't fund my own campaign. And as the campaign has gone on, it's become harder and harder to raise the money we need to compete. So some political commentators are actually saying that Kamala's exit at this time was a smart move because, number one, she's no longer trending upward in the polls. Uh, Number two, she may have fell into a deep debt. Death, and also it shields her from having an embarrassing finish in Iowa, which it's predicted she won't do well there. Nevertheless, Harris's exit from the race means Democrats are losing the only black woman uh, running in the 2020 primary. And we know that black women are a key voting block in the party. And on top of that, Kamala was the most accomplished black woman to ever run for executive office. If she can't secure a a Democratic nomination, will there ever be hope for a black woman to be president? So, you know, I want to open up this conversation, you know, starting with you, uh, Stanley, because I know you had very uh, elaborate thoughts on Kamala's, uh, you know, exit. You know, what did you think about that? Well, first off, it's important for folks to know that in the last two weeks, Michael Bloomberg, who's running for president as well, but skipping Iowa and New Hampshire, has spent more money in two weeks on his presidential run than Kamala did on her entire campaign in two weeks of his own money because he's a mediocre, corny, white supremacist billionaire who can just do that. I think that Kamala Harris is not white, so she doesn't get the opportunity to fail up like Pete Buttigieg, who lost a congressional race in Indiana, but somehow gets to run for president and get Facebook money while he's doing it. And I think because Kamala Harris is somebody who didn't run a good campaign, she can't get to fail up like Joe Biden, who has been unable to be coherent throughout his entire presidential run this season, including a moment in a group full of black people when he said that his friends used to come into the pool with him and stroke his leg because it was blonde. And then he sucked his wife's finger while she was speaking. She can't fail up that way. And I think Kamala Harris' failure and Cory Booker's inability to qualify for the debate and Julian Castro's ability to just not be able to qualify for it shows you that white people only like black people in theory and they only listen to black women when black women can't be heard that well because they don't have to respond. Oh, well, thank you for that, Stanley. I mean, you know, Stanley raises points about racism and sexism, mostly racism. But, I mean, money was a factor here, Tammy. If she had the money, she would still be in this race. So, you know, what do you think? Why wasn't she able to sustain a viable campaign? Well, see, here's the thing that that I want to point out. Black does not mean relatable or likable. There are a lot, a lot of black people in politics, especially now coming up, now that we have kind of a little bit of more leeway to do so. Um, But Kamala's a cop. 
Black people don't like cops. Everybody knows this. Um, she, like she said, she's not a billionaire. Uh, her campaign was funded by, you know, her voters, people who support. And so when people see her trending downward, when people see record of her horrible past, jailing mothers for their truant children, um, talking down about, you know, neighborhood pot smokers as if they're like lordly criminals, um, people are not going to donate to you. I'm. I mean, there's no question that Kamala had a really hard time connecting with voters, especially those within the black community. But truth be told, she was one of the most progressive candidates in this race. Like Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, uh, Michael Bloomberg, they are way more centrist. And to be honest, um, what's that lady's name that always shakes? Klobuchar. She was a prosecutor, too. Why is it? Why is is it that Kamala is getting this? Unfair scrutiny, Evan. This goes to what Stanley was talking about earlier with Darius. It's it's a similar issue here, which is that there's just simply less leeway for people of color, for candidates of color. And and it shows here with Kamala that her record, Joe Biden does not have a good record with these things either. He, he, as Stanley mentioned, he helped author the crime bill. He he openly said he used to work with segregationists. He has... Uh, uh, a mixed record on things even like busing, you know, but he is still in this race. Klobuchar is still in this race. It is simply that it, it, it is simply that sometimes also to, to go to what Tammy saying, I agree. I don't I don't I don't agree with a lot of her past decisions, but sometimes candidates of color have to be forced a bit more to the center. Because they feel like that's the only way that they will be able to win an election more so than even white candidates need to. But it's also disproportionately critical of them when they are centrist. And Joe Biden and Buttigieg does not get that same criticism. So Avent Drummer just left a comment on our Facebook Live. He says Kamala Harris should have ran as a Republican. Her politics were too conservative Mm -hmm. and out of touch with the way campaigns are trending. Still, I want to get your feedback on that comment. That that's just false. That's that's completely false. That tells me that this person was not following her campaign her campaign at all. She wasn't as far left as Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, but she was a pretty like left leaning elected official. She wanted the public option. She was looking for criminal justice reform. She was looking for fighting for public rights and expanding the access to vote. She she was not a Republican at any level. You can't you can't make that argument at all. It's it's really confusing that people would say that. It, it tells me that folks were not paying attention to what her policies were and they were just not liking her because of they don't like her. Was uh, she was she progressive or was she boxed into being progressive because she's a black woman? Because no. something that I noticed about her campaign, she flip-flopped on a lot of main messages where she had kind of more centrist views and then went on to change them later as she saw the yeah. polls were reflecting more class consciousness, she, you know? So in this US sorry to cut you off Evan. In it's the okay. US Senate, she was very progressive. Even as a DA, like our definition of what DA should be doing now has shifted in the last three years. We should be clear on that. Mm-hmm. And in her period, she was a progressive DA. Even with all the problematic things that she did, she was a progressive DA. She fought for same-sex marriage legalization mm-hmm. in California. So even there, she was a progressive DA. We don't think now, because we've evolved and we know better, mm-hmm. that like the way the DAs move have been moving in the past is appropriate. So we knock her for that. But back then, she was breaking barriers. Yeah, I, I know we have a caller on the line who wants to let their voice be heard. Damon, let your voice Damon. be heard. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, listen, when I think about this Kamala is a cop campaign, I just had to chime in. Uh, Stanley pretty much already said it. If Kamala is a cop, then Joe Biden is like the chief of the police. 
You know, my whole thing is, is like, you can't sit up here and say, well, Kamala's a cop and her campaign is not trending in the direction of more liberal campaigns when you still have a Pete Buttigieg in the race, when you still have an Amy Klobuchar in the race, when you still have a Joe Biden in the race. I mean, pretty much that whole narrative about her being a cop one, it also speaks to the point that, like, can't, like Stanley had already said, that we're not taking consideration that we're in a... I think he was so upset that he lost reception, but I think what he was going to say is that, like, we're not taking into consideration that, like, we are in a space where the politics have shifted on the ground in real time. Damon, thank you so much for call uh, calling in and chiming in. I think yes. we lost connection, but we definitely got the gist of that. I mm -hmm. mean, Tammy, that almost speaks to the comments that you were saying. You started off where you said Kamala was a cop, and that's why she didn't connect. I mean, do you still stand with that? Yes, and I hate... I hate to see it, you know, because it, it is very exciting for me to see a black woman in the race. But unfortunately, nowadays, we're not just looking for diversity, right? It's about to be 2020. We're looking for diversity of interests, diversity of, you know, economic beliefs. And me personally, when I look for someone looking out for my interests, it's not just representation in the House because we have black senators. We've had, you know, people in the executive branches that are black, but... I'm looking for someone who is going to protect my interests. It's about class consciousness as well. I, I, I agree with that from the standpoint of who's the best candidate. But I think the broader discussion here and what Stanley's bringing up and what the caller's bringing up is just the double standard. And again, it goes back to the earlier conversation we have about uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, staffer is that it's just a different standard for candidates of color that they cannot. It, it, it's, it's multiple things. It's that. Their centrism is is more criticized frequently than white centrism because I think some people see white centrism as a norm, but candidates of color sometimes need to go to the center to for them to feel that they're more viable. I don't agree with those policies. I'm just talking from a strategic standpoint. Right. And then when they're criticized for it, they like like the caller said. Joe Biden is like the chief of police for his crime bill, mm -hmm. for his comments on segregationists, but he does not have the same labeling that Kamala does. He he, he didn't. Um, you know, I know we do have to go on a quick break, but, you know, I just want to say when we started off the year and, and Kamala launched her campaign on Martin Luther King Day, you know, I was excited for her and. In the same token, I also didn't feel like I related to her as much as I would have wanted because, again, she was this, you know, beautiful, brilliant black woman. And, you know, it, it, it seemed like it, it just didn't work out. And that narrative of her being a prosecutor, hindsight being 2020, I think maybe we over scrutinized it a little too much. Mm -hmm. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, but this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Pete Buttigieg isn't qualified for nothing. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Why does he get to run when Kamala has to lose? We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHC are the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Evan Mastronardi, Tammy David, and Fire Mariah on the cameras on the ones and twos and the Instagrams too. Wasn't that fast? It's because I had a whole cup of coffee and I had eight hours of sleep. Just kidding, just four. We are talking about <laughs> Kamala Harris' inability to stay in a presidential election and selena's got some things to tell you yeah so bb mendez chimed in on our facebook live she says 
it doesn't matter what her white counterparts are doing. The reality is people of color don't like cops, and that's where the majority of her base will come from, people of color. And unfortunately, she didn't connect well. Quickly, Evan, because I know Stanley has some oh, comments. Sorry. I, again, like, I, I completely understand that, but I still think the broader topic that we're talking about here is just the double standard. If that's true, then why are all these other candidates in the race? But, yeah, like yeah. Amy Klobuchar. Like Amy Klobuchar, who is also a DA, like Joe Biden. It's like, it's it's why is it that come on? And even if it's even if it's money, the fact that she can't raise as much money is speaking to this. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well, Stanley, what were okay. you telling us off uh, during the break? Yeah. So, you know, if you're not on Facebook, if you're on Facebook Live, you probably heard us talking because we can't mute you guys. But um, if you're listening <laughs> on the podcast, what I was telling the team was that Facebook recently just came out and said that actually a lot of the traffic and conversation about Kamala being a cop came from Russian bots. Mm. So like this was a concern. That's not to say that people didn't have issues with Kamala being a cop, but the Russian bots are back at it again. They definitely are. So that's something to think about. And then also, I just want to point out that Kamala Harris got a lot of flack from black men, including Uncle Luke, a pop that, you know what, for being married to a white man. Mm. He had an entire article in the Miami um, Sentinel, I think it was, where he criticized her as not really being for black people and black men because she married a white man. So I think that's something that we should be thinking about because, like, when do you ever see that kind of criticism thrown at a black man? Uh, I mean, well. I mean, running for president. Oh, right. Well, I'll say this, and, and we had this discussion during our overtime cast last week. Why is it that Barack Obama, who was also, you know, biracial, very centrist, very pragmatic, and uh, very moderate, especially compared to today's left-leaning standards, why is it that he connected so well and someone like Kamala or even Cory Booker isn't? And I, I think the conclusion yeah. that we came to was, at least with Barack Obama, the fight— the Despite the fact that he was extremely charismatic, young, and a disruptor, uh, you know, him marrying a black woman and the optics there, you know, for me, consciously and subconsciously, it spoke to me. And it's like, okay, I feel like he's as black as ever. And I'm not saying that who you marry, you know, determines your blackness because I don't I don't think that. But I am saying that the optics there. And being married to like that, uh, like such a powerful black woman who was also as, you know, charismatic and relatable, I think that helped him. So I can see, I can see how maybe mm-hmm. Kamala's relationship hurt her. Well, I mean, there's, there's multiple layers there. First, we were talking earlier about how times have changed and how we have to look at her record that way. Same thing with Barack. I mean, in you know, when Barack was running in 2008, we, we, we had different expectations of politics, too. He was also going to be the first black president. He had there was such charisma around his candidacy. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, it. The fact that he's also a man is may have played into this yeah. and that Kamala being a woman prosecutor is something that some men maybe felt, you know, like a, th- a threatening woman prosecutor. Yeah. And also Obama wasn't a prosecutor. He was a junior senator. So I think there was a lot of things that played into why Obama was more um, in addition to what you're saying. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, and I was yeah, just yeah. making that one yeah. point. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but people forget black folks was not very supportive of Obama in the beginning, including myself. We didn't really start coming around to him until Bill Clinton started going ham saying mad racist stuff to get white elected to support Barack Obama. When the, the, the moment that really turned things for Obama was two things. When Bill Clinton told Ted Kennedy that back in the days Obama would have been cleaning our shoes. Yeah. And Bill ain't canceled <laughs> for that. Yep. Exactly. Bill yeah. ain't canceled for that. He and been then, 10 times ago. 
And then when they put out that video of his pastor talking all those factual, actual facts about white people and white people got scared and he gave that speech on race where he pretty much said, forgive white people for being trash and just let's just not think about it. And they called it one of, I mean, it was really a great speech because Obama's a great orator. But those are the two things that really pushed him over. And he he's put all of his money into Iowa and he won, which made him serious. He lost New Hampshire, but then he won South Carolina because Hillary and Bill were going hand with low-key racist stuff and black folks got behind him. After that, it was pretty much like, it was a landslide, so to speak. Well, and, and you know, just to bring it back to Kamala, because you know, with Tammy Stanley's right, like it, it was, it did take you know upward momentum for us to really get behind Barack Obama. But once, once we all got behind him and started rallying behind him, it's you know he's always going to be our forever president. Um, you know, is there something that you think she could or should have done differently, or is the fact that the matter is? Hey, she didn't have enough money, money in politics, and she didn't even have a chance to really evolve. Like, th- like her campaign didn't have a chance to really evolve and get to that point. Yeah, I. you know what? Thinking about it, I am really sorry that we didn't get a chance to see her evolve, especially into these really important states. Because I personally, I do think she would have been a powerhouse. And I think that she could have helped to knock down a lot of these other white, mediocre candidates like uh, Buttigieg and, and Klobuchar. But at the end of the day, what I'm seeing as a trend in politics right now is that America is looking for an underdog. They had it with Obama. They missed that vibe. And you know what? As much as I hate to say it, Trump is too for what it's worth to his people. He is the populist candidate that is, you know, the last likely shot that's making it happen for them. And unfortunately, Kamala is just not you know, a relatable underdog candidate. So... Um, so Damon Stubbs chimed in on uh, Facebook Live. He says, I challenge your guests and others who keep pushing that phrase that Kamala is a cop as reason why she lost support. Does your guests know any of her proposed policies that were positioned to help black folks? Anyone care to chime in? Yeah. So let me let me talk to one policy in particular that is a perfect example of why her her um, her campaign fall failed, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, while Bernie Sanders came out of the gate and said, I want to cancel student debt. And Elizabeth Warren said, OK, we're going to cancel what? What was it? 50 percent of student debt. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris said, we'll cancel some of your student debt. I remember that. If you decide to become an entrepreneur in a disadvantaged neighborhood for three to five years. I remember this. Why would anybody bet their last dollar on a candidate that says, I will help your future out and future generations if you can do the maybe 5% chance of getting that? Yeah. Well, that was I, pretty bad. Yeah, and, and, right, with all of those stipulations. So, I mean, I, I, I do get it there. Evan, I know you want to chime in quickly. Oh, no, I it, it was... I, I agree that that was you a bad agree. decision. It just, it, if I was going to say something was, just to reiterate, it's, it for dumb. me, for me, the, the issue here is still the, like, it's not so much the mistakes she made in her candidacy. It's just those mistakes compared to the really, I think, vastly worse mistakes of the other candidates. And Amy I think, Klo- sorry. And, and I think as we go forward with this, I just really hope that um, when our campaign is analyzed, that we always look in comparison to the other candidates, that we don't just look at her campaign 
Democrat campaign itself. And speaking of the yeah. other candidates, Stanley, so, you know, at so. this point, it feels like there may not be any other viable candidates of color. Mm -hmm. I say viable emphasis on that because we do have Julian Castro. We do mm -hmm. have Cory Booker. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't even think they're going to be at the debate on December 19th. Julian Castro qualified. Oh, he does? Okay. He just qualified. So he just Thank made God. the mark. And Julian Castro was a candidate that everyone should be paying attention to. Absolutely. Because more than anybody else, he has completely centered his campaign on black and brown people yep. and yes. issues that impact yes. our lives. A thousand percent. I want to give him a lot of props for right. that. I don't like the fact that he would lead the Israel embassy in Jerusalem, which is very problematic for my Palestinian sisters and brothers. But I, I do want to give him props because he has the most black radical um, electoral mm -hmm. platform of anybody else. Well, and I want to say this. Cory Booker made the point after Kamala dropped out. He said, we now have more billionaires mm -hmm. in this race than we have black people. That's I mean, crazy. You know, so uh, what do you think about that? It's, it, I, I don't even know how. To, what, well, hold on, but is it crazy? I mean, it to me, it sounds like politics as usual. No, I mean, we know that it takes a lot of money to get into an election, and honestly, it just it's just in recent it, years and decades where 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 black people have even had a fighting chance to have positions like this. Right. I mean, I'm saying it's crazy just the notion of that, the way he puts it. It's not surprising given American capitalism. Absolutely. But I'm what I got just gotta say. I am happy that. A Castro, first of all, I'm very happy he qualifies and I agree with Stanley. He he had a good quote, which is that, you know, in comparison to a lot of other candidates, he says, if we're not going to bat, if we're not putting people of color center of our campaign, why are we even Democrats? Yeah. And I mm -hmm. thought that was a very good statement. I'm glad he qualifies. But I really got to give him and Booker props, regardless if you like them as candidates or not, for really saying this was one of their competitors and they're really rallying behind her. Mm -hmm. They could have just said, OK, more space for me. But they're actually saying, no, this person, you know, she matters to us. She, for what she represents, and she matters to this country, even if we disagree with her on things. And they're like going to bat for her now, saying she should still be in this campaign. And I, I, I personally appreciate that they're doing that. Yeah. You know, and, and as we start to bring this uh, conversation to a close, I want to ask... Um, what does need to what does need to be done to make sure that the election process is more equitable for black and brown candidates, especially because a lot of us don't come from wealthy homes and on a wealthy family. So what needs to be done, Tammy? So I think when you look at anything in America, what's always behind it? Money. I think campaign finance reform is something that both the Senate and the House should be looking towards, especially when you see this clown car of candidates with people dropping out one after another simply because they cannot afford to speak. That is ridiculous. Um, in France, they do something where the government funds candidates. So, you know, even if they cannot themselves give up money for ads and, and, and pay for their own support, at least they have some sort of government funding. I think that's a fantastic idea for being in the United States, especially now that we're at a point where there are more billionaires than black people in the Democratic primary. Stanley? So we should change the first two primaries. Why are the first two primaries in New Hampshire and in Iowa when both those places are over 90% white and the Democratic base, black people make up 25% of it and the rising, elect the rising um, electorate is mostly black and brown people? White people are not the plurality mm -hmm. anymore for, mm -hmm. for the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. So why don't we have the first primary in Las Vegas where you have a huge Latinx community and then South Carolina where you have a huge black community. That's like you, you want to change things up. I guarantee you Pete Buttigieg and, and Klobuchar who threw a used tampon on the staffer are not going to be high up in the polls. Good point there. Evan, what needs to be done to make this process more equitable? I agree with Stanley first for that part. I think just 
the symbolism of Iowa being first and, and, and the dictator of who advances frequently with those majority white communities is very telling. I also think that if you look at New York City's system of public matching, I think that has allowed a lot of candidates who otherwise wouldn't be able to run to run. And we, we definitely have, if you look at the budget that we waste on things like defense and all these other things, that's excessive even by the Pentagon standards. Mm-hmm. We definitely have money to do something like that at a federal level to allow for more people to run uh, for office. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you know, just to wrap things up here, I think one of the main issues is Citizens United. And again, that was a Supreme Court decision that said basically it took all barriers off of how much corporations and wealthy people can donate to these to candidates. And as a result, what do these candidates do? They pander to wealthy donors who are most likely and most happen to be white, older men. So, I mean, and you think about it, why, you know, we say like, oh, why, why wasn't Kamala, you know, more radical on their issue? And, and why aren't they talking about this? It's because they still have to make white people feel safe. Because when white people are in power and they have that, that level of influence, they don't want to be uncomfortable. And the fact of the matter is calling them out and talking about white supremacy mm-hmm. is very uncomfortable mm-hmm. for them. So that, to me, we have to, we have to overturn Citizens United so that more of us, regular, hardworking folks, people of color and people that can relate to different, you know, to communities of color as allies, we need, we should be the ones determining this election by giving small donations. And I will say the elections of AOC and Bernie Sanders, these people who are getting the majority of their funding from regular people Mm -hmm. is very hopeful Mm -hmm. and leaves me feeling optimistic. So it can be done, but we need something on a government level that will help Mm -hmm stop this uh, tragic, tragic uh, uh, process that's happening. On that note, I want to thank everyone for chiming in today. Thank you for everyone who calls in. Thank you for everybody who's chiming in via Facebook Live. And thank you so much for those in the podcast community. Please share it on Spotify, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud. Continue to support us. And the best way to support us is on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Radio. If you become a subscriber and give us a donation that actually supports us so that we can support the issues and the Mm -hmm. causes that you care about on that note we'll see you again next week